0: It ain't
1: the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Cat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm BrianKatNFL. Paul is fanatic, underscore pick on Twitter. We're continuing our position-by-position position preview today through a Dolphins lens, taking a look at the defensive tackle position. You know, the Dolphins made it a point to have the D tackle spot as a focal position in the rebuild starting in 2019. Davin Godshaw continued his improvement at nose tackle. Christian Wilkins had at least a solid first year after being the 13th overall pick. You had some guys come in and out like John Jenkins and Avery Moss. Uh, John Jenkins is still a free agent out there. And they also added Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba on the edge. But, Paul, looking at this position group, since really the end of the 2018 season, there have been two clear-cut top players at this position.
0: There have, and, and I don't think there's any secret out there with with Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw. The interesting thing for me is, D tackle is always a position, and I said this a few years ago, and it's something that I believe in every year. If you want a whole complete defensive tackle that you're out there in Every situation, you look at the first round. If you want somebody that fills a role and is part of a rotation, you can go later in the draft, similar to what they did with Vincent Taylor and, and Davin Godchow a few years back when they went with fifth, and late fifth, early sixth. There are talented role players that can be an effective member of, of that three- or four-man rotation. Right now it's Godchow, Christian Wilkins, and, and Zach Sealer that can come in and contribute right away in specific roles, whether you want a pass rusher, whether you want that big fat three technique, whether, you know, you want to push the pocket from the middle or want a little more of that run defender type space eater. So it really depends on the flavor that you're looking for once you get beyond, you know, day one and day two.
1: Well said. And Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw, I mean, given how how they've been – projected top 10, top 15 picks for a reason here. I mean, they've been much more complete defensive tackles than we've seen recently, other than maybe Quentin Williams last year, who actually had a pretty disappointing year there with the Jets. Uh, But Derek Brown, when I look at him, the the two words I I think of are disruptive and powerful. I mean, he's got a great lower body. He has an amazing ability just right off the snap to take the guard and just shove him right back to the quarterback. I'm not sure if that's going to work in the NFL, but you know that the talent and the power are both there, and then he can develop his his moves from there. Javon Kinlaw is more of a, a, a Forrest Buckner type of clone. He was just traded the Colts for, was a former seventh overall pick, um, traded for the 13th overall pick here this year. He played the nose tackle spot a lot at South Carolina, and I think that did him a little bit of a disservice. And if uh, you watch him, Take a look at his YouTube video too, where he's talking about being homeless. So you know that he's he's driven to succeed. So we're we're really talking about two special types of talents here at the defensive tackle spot. So Paul, big question is, you know, we've seen a lot of mock drafts out there that that sometimes have Brown or Kinlaw falling to that that 18th spot. It's very unlikely that would happen. But if one of these guys were to fall from, say, tenth overall down to eighteen with the Dolphins, which one would you want, Brown or Kinlaw?
0: If I want a effect or an effective player right now that I think is going to be better out of the gate, I'm going Kinlaw. If I want the guy that has the higher ceiling, I would go Brown. For me I would go Kinlaw just because, you know, we don't know if Brown will ever reach the ceiling that he has. He's he's a very raw player, but he is a force of nature. So for me, I would go Kinlaw, but if either of them are still on the board at 18, I'd be hard pressed to say
1: pass on those guys. See, that's interesting because I had that flip-flop there because Derek Brown, I thought, was more of a, a finished product, kind of a phone booth type of dominator who could step in day one, where Kinlaw, I thought, it was more of of the long-term type of prospect there at at defensive tackle. But another thing though, is Kinlaw has the ability to play multiple spots and Brown. Yeah, he can move him around too, but as far as projecting as a next level player, you could see Kinlaw line up at, at, at edge. You could see him move him inside and four man fronts. So maybe a little bit more speed and versatility from Kinlaw.
0: Yeah, I can see that. It's, I do like him being a flexible piece, which also does contribute, given, God, I think our listeners are probably sick of hearing me say flexible piece, but again, it's, you know, even listening to Kyle Van Noy on that conference call with the Finns the other day, it's, it's, he's not a true position player, he's a football player, and I think that the Dolphins, as they stand today, and Brian Flores likes collecting football players and figuring out where to stick them later on. And again, it's, it's, that's another scenario that that really works in Kinlaw's favor as far as if Miami had to choose between the two.
1: And after Brown and Kinlaw, you, you start going down to the rest of the class. It, it's a, it's not a great group, but it's a very good group. And it's kind of like with the wide receiver position, it's deep throughout the draft, maybe not as deep as wide receiver, but it still is deep when we did our consensus NFL draft board and what that means is we take the top 10 big boards updated here over the last couple of weeks and we see where combined those players are ranked uh, Derek Brown was six Ken Long was 11th. then there, there's a big drop off to Ross Blacklock the defensive tackle out of TCU was 31st then you've got Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma at 46 Justin Matabike at 50 from Texas A&M Jordan Elliott from Mizzou at 56 and Raquan Davis from Alabama at 64. So, kind of a big cluster there, Paul. And like you said before, it's kind of kind of depends on your your fit and your flavor. Who are some names out of this group that that jump out uh, jump out to you?
0: I mean, Marlon Davidson's always been a
1: name that that stands out
0: a little bit for me. He can get to the quarterback. He can play. He can flex between DT and DN. Um, you know, it, it's very weird for me though, too, when I look at this, when I see how many of these guys are really sub 300 pounds, it's not something that has been the norm to have this many guys be sub 300, some of them not by a lot, but you know, you think defensive tackle, you think a big fat sloppy guy in the middle, that's just going to throw people around. And I think we're starting to get away from that and start to get a little more towards those athletic tweeners that are out there. Uh, I definitely like Ross Blacklock, but he's a guy that, that could be a one-year wonder and has some injury concerns, so he's not really a guy I can see that fit for the fans. And I do like Matt Abike. Um it, even, even though he did come out early, he, he's shown the ability to just destroy offensive linemen in front of him, and hopefully that's something that transi- translates to the NFL level. He's just he's not dominant enough for me and, and either of the other two that I would take them unless they happen to slide. And that's an important aspect for me as well.
1: Yeah. Marlon Davidson. uh, Like I said, I think I said, Gallimore was 46. Davidson was actually 46 crafty, productive, versatile player. I, he, he surprised a lot of people by showing up at, at 303 pounds to senior bowl week. And he he had a great week there, too. It, it seems like he gets better as he continues to move, move further inside. But he also has the ability to to play on the edge, too. So he he he's somebody that would be that versatile type of chess piece. Ross Blacklock, like you said, exactly right on him. I mean, he's a raw player, missed all of 2018 with a torn Achilles. I, I like his ability more than some of these other guys to play at it with some athleticism and some power between the center and the guard. But there are a lot of things up, up in the air on him too. Justin Madibike is somebody who can move all around the defensive line, 6'3", 293 pounds. But like you said, Paul, if you're under 300 pounds in the scheme, I, you have a little bit more of rough of a go of it because you're, you're probably not going to end up playing 45, 50 snaps, which is probably what Brian Flores wants in this three man front.
0: It really is. It's, I mean, you look at what they've got now in in Sealer and Godchow and and Wilkins. I I don't think somebody under 300 pounds is going to see a lot of snaps. I really don't. It's, to me, you're already going to be behind the eight ball and somebody that this. This front office feels they need to beef up a little bit. And I hate to say it, but given the scenario and and the world we live in right now, given the coronavirus aspect, they're not going to be able to get to these prospects as early to beef them up. So if you've got a sub 300 pound defensive tackle out there, the Dolphins may avoid them altogether this year because this is a year that you're not going to have that entire offseason potentially to beef those guys up. So we've got to take that into account.
1: You bet. And it's not their biggest need either. And that has to be taken into account too, that, you know, so I look at this group after Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw and probably third on my list, and he's not going to be third on probably anybody's list is, is Davin Hamilton from Ohio state. He is that big boy. He's six four, three hundred twenty 320 pounds. He looks like one of those New York Giants defensive linemen like the Snacks Harrison and the Dalvin Tomlinson. Incredibly powerful, very battle-tested, but I think he's also underrated as a pass rusher. So if you're that big and powerful, I'm not looking for you to be Warren Sapp as a defensive tackle. I'm just looking for you to push the offensive lineman back toward the quarterback, and I think Davin Hamilton can certainly do that. But So there's not a big difference here for me, Paul, between – my third guy, which is Davin Hamilton, and my seventh guy, which is Justin Matabike. I mean, I've got Davin Hamilton at three. I've got Ross Blacklock at four. I've got Marlon Davidson at five, Jordan Elliott at six from Mizzou, and, and Justin Matibike, uh at, at seven. But when I look at this board here, too, I I can't see a scenario in which I'd want the Dolphins to take any of these players other than Brown or Kinlaw you know, before the 70th pick.
0: Right, it's. I mean, another guy that I'd look at as well is is another one of those big beefy guys, and that's Benito Jones out of Old Miss. He's he's he can fill that traditional nose tackle style role for you, but he's actually been improving as a pass rusher uh, over the past couple of years. He, I think, he had five and a half sacks this year. He's going to bat some passes at the line of scrimmage, and he he actually had an okay Senior Bowl week, so. You look at all those factors, and he's a guy I could see Miami looking at if he's there in the fifth.
1: Yeah, in that fifth, sixth, seventh round area, Benito Jones certainly a good prospect for that because he's a squatty guy too, six one, plays low to the ground, and the Dolphins have a need for a backup to Davin Gotcha who can fill out the rest of the depth chart. I mean, you've got you got players like Zach Sealer who, you know. They're going to see a healthy amount of snaps if if they're able to get on the field, but you certainly want some competition there too. One guy I like is McTelvin Agum from Arkansas. This is somebody who is really only a one-year player, but I I watched a few games of film on him and was very impressed. 6'3", 309 pounds, ran under a 5.0 plays with a lot of power and I think that he's only starting to, to develop his pass rush moves too so he's somebody there in that fifth sixth round area that if we're lucky enough to see him there I think could provide a lot of value some players that I'm not sure if they do fit what the Dolphins are looking for at all is Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma this is a he's an explosive fast player at the defensive tackle position he is 304 pounds but he's one of those guys that he disrupts the play off the snap and then kind of goes away. He doesn't finish enough. And I, I'm not sure if this defense is going to fit what he's what he's all about. Raquan Davis from Alabama, it seems like we've been talking about him for three years now, never took that step up. It seems like he's been declining over the last couple of years, a giant run-stopping type of defensive lineman, but offers pretty much nothing as a pass rusher. So if you're looking for a one-dimensional run-stopper in the third or fourth round, Maybe, but wouldn't be for me. James Lynch from Baylor doesn't really fit this defense either. But man, if Tony Dungy were still in the league, he would love this guy. This is a hair on fire, rush the quarterback defensive tackle. He had 13 and a half sacks and 19 and a half tackles for loss just last year. I mean, he had more sacks and tackles for loss than a lot of these players on this list had in their entire career. In fact, most of them. But I, the gap containment just isn't there out of out of James Lynch. So Paul, who else jumps out for you?
0: It's funny you mentioned gap containment and, and run stuffer, because the next guy I've got on my list is, is literally somebody that he's going to be out there on first and second down, and then you're going to sub Christian in for him or Zach Sealer, who can get a little more push. And that's Lecky Fotum out of out of Utah. He is just a big monster out there. But again, he's predominantly a run stuffing gap-eating, middle of your D-line, you're-not-running-here type of defensive tackle. Another one that intrigues me as well is Richard Lawrence out of LSU. He's a guy that has all the athletic ability you want, uh, ran a pretty good 40 time given the fact that he's 300-plus pounds, and showed an ability to get to the, the, the quarterback. And he played in a very good LSU defense. But again, it's, he needs to take that next step. So if you're going to take a chancy pick in the fifth round and try to get, or maybe even the sixth round and try to get a defensive tackle that has the potential long-term to be a disruptive force on your D line. I think Richard Lawrence is a guy that the dolphins
1: might take a look at. And speaking of photo from Utah, you know, if, if we're talking about him in the fourth round area, there was another defensive tackle in 2007 that was a fourth-round pick out of Utah who was six-four, three hundred and forty, three hundred and fifty 340, 350 pounds by the name of Paul Soliai. So he mm. certainly fit a role and was able to able to, to man that nose tackle position. So, yeah.
0: You had me at Solii. You know what a Soliai fan I, I was and continue to be to this day. I mean, it's, you were with me down in Miami. when We went searching for jerseys for a, for a solely Jersey when he happened to be one of the first players I ran into while we were down there. I mean, you know, that, and uh, the funny story with meeting his wife. So you tell me he's the next Solei. I, I, I'm in, let's do it. Let's get that. Now I'm, de-
1: I'm definitely not saying that, but he did play the same role, the same role and has the same size as him. And, and I mean, Soliaye I think is a was is a more powerful player. I think Foto is a little a little thinner, but if you're looking for somebody who just gets in the league as a, as a day 3 pick at that nose tackle spot, you, absolutely. I th- I think he should be somewhere there. And and these one-dimensional nose tackles are not as highly thought of as as they were back when Sully, I was drafted in t- in 2007. So you might be able to get him in that 5th 6th round area. Brevarian Roy from Baylor fits that same mold uh very short arms from baylor um it played next to james lynch was obviously not quite as productive as he was but he, he's somebody that that could also back up Davin gotcha and maybe even offer more of a pass rush th- than he can um he at east west uh shrine week he played lights out then was not invited to the combine which was a shame but But he's somebody that if you give him a chance in the league, he he could certainly produce. So, Paul, a big group of defensive tackles here. But overall, you know, we're running through these positions. This is probably not the Dolphins' biggest need. But for me, when I look at the board, when I see that there's such a gap between, you know, those second, third-round guys and Kinlon Brown, that shoves Kinlon Brown a little further up the board for me.
0: It does, but it also tends to – see, I look at this through through a different lens than some people, and probably some teams do. By the time all is said and done, Miami's going to have probably more than their 14 picks that they have now. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them trade up, but I think you're going to see them also trade down a little bit, accumulate some more picks, and – you're going to see them take a few swings at at some of these players that are low-risk, high-reward as as the later rounds come on. And that could be at any position, including defensive tackle. And when you look at that formula, it, it makes a lot of sense because this is going to be a year that not every draft pick makes the team. Miami killed it in free agency. They've already got a young nucleus as well that they're building around. And then even with a couple extra spots on, on the game day rosters for this year, you're going to have a few draft picks that don't make it, whether they end up on the practice squad or not. You're going to have that happen. So you're going to see them take some swings at, at some of these guys, that, like we just mentioned, that have that high reward, low risk aspect in, in that late round area.
1: Yeah, they've got 14 picks now, and yeah, we, we're we definitely on the opposite side of the fence on this because I, want, I, I don't want them to have more picks. I want them to have fewer picks and to get higher and higher up here, uh, whether that's jumping from five up higher um, or jumping from 18 up a few spots or 26 up a few spots to fill those offensive tackle and quarterback positions. But given what you said there, too, Back in 1997, the Dolphins actually had 14 draft picks. And not many people remember that Yatil Green – well, some do. I mean, I still remember. That was my first draft that I watched. Yateel Green Yatil, – yeah, Yatil Green barely saw the field. I think he caught 20 passes in his career. He was the first uh, first round pick of the Dolphins. But also in that year, you had Sam Madison, Jason Taylor, and Derek Rogers. Madison and, and Taylor, you, you know. Multiple time Pro Bowlers, Jason Taylor, a Hall of Famer, Derek Rogers was a solid starter for several years, and you also had guys down the down the board like Baron Tanner at D, D tackle, who was a good rotational guy for a few years. Ed Perry, who was a backup tight end and long snapper, who was the the modern day John or John Denny. So, a lot of people, you know, fifteen twenty years down the road, don't really remember when you have that many draft picks that that you that you struck out on most of them.
0: Yeah, I'm going to get up on a little bit of a soapbox here, since since you brought it up, and, and something I want our listeners to remember here. With all those future Ring of Honor players that Miami got in that draft, in, in when they when they took Yatil Green early on, you look at the cover of Dolphin Digest that right after the draft, you didn't see Jason Taylor, you didn't see Sam Madison, Yatil Green's mug was smack dab right there on the cover of dolphin digest that 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 month and that's something where i want folks to remember just because the media tells you somebody's a good player just because they look like a good player when you turn turn the tape the college tape on that does not mean that that is somebody that's going to translate to the nfl and you know, you look at these guys that they got in the later rounds that might have been a little higher risk. Like, you can't tell me taking a 240-pound end out of Akron didn't look like a risk at the time and, and a possible wasted pick. You know, but it's some of these guys that don't fit the mold, but they're football players, are going to surprise some people. And some of these guys that the media tells you are the next best thing will not be. That's my soapbox smoke, just so you
1: know. All right. Yeah y- kill it's an acronym for yet another torn interior ligament it's uh bringing back a lot of a lot of memories here for for me and in, in my first nfl draft year but we've got a lot more of them here on the fin side and that will do it for our positional breakdown of the defensive tackle position you're listening to paul and kat I'm Brian Cat, NFL. Pulse, fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the thin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't
0: the left side for the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side for the right, right side.